Hello and welcome to the Revenue Execution Podcast. My name is David Johnson. Uh, today I'm joined by Emily Yang from Diodes. Emily, thanks for joining us again. Uh, this will be part three of our, our uh, podcast. And today we're going to talk about pricing, optimization, uh, I'm sorry, pricing, optimization, channel incentives, and, and compliance. So um, you recently switched your pricing methodology from cost-based to resale-based pricing. Tell me why you made this change and how it is working for you. Right, so we used to basically co-price based on our cost. Um, that kind of, I would say, um, causing us missing some of the important information to really understand. So after changing to the resale model, we felt like we're much closer to the customers, understanding their price point, closer to the market, and also uh, you know, be able to manage our overall gross prof, um, gross margin better, mm-hmm. right? Um, because at the end of the day, it's about the customer's buying price. It's really nothing to do with your cost. Right. It's more, would it be fair to say it's kind of a, more of a value-based model? Right. This is definitely more value-based model. It fits really well with our you know, solution sales instead mm-hmm. of just the component sales. Um, we felt like we are a lot more competitive, to the customers as overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, right, we want to make sure we also understand our channel partners business. We want to reward the channel partners based on their effort and based on the result. But at the same time, we don't want to leave money on the table. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Diode's uh, channel incentive programs to use. Um, Market development funds, rebates, ship and debits. Um, what sort of incentive programs do you run? Right. So we, we do have a market development funds that uh, you know we kind of manage. Um, this is really more partner with the distributors on some of the promotions, on the trainings, or some of the programs or the e-marketing um, portion. Uh, we also have a MPP program with all the distributors, and uh, on top of that, we have ship and debit. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's MPP? A market price program. Oh, okay. Right. And what's that? Um, so basically, um, you know, you have the staple cost, but certain distributors might be supporting a very specific customer with a very low OEM price that we establish certain specific targeted market price for specific distributors. So that okay. way you don't have a huge gap between your DC cost and also ship and debit. Got it. Okay. And that will help us from managing the reserve mm-hmm. uh, point of view. And okay. uh, we have some rebates with some customers, um, but that's pretty much managed off the system, not in Model N at this moment. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you manage that? Um, this is really more, I would say, towards a specific OEM customers. Okay. And then when they hit to certain volume or you know revenue that there are certain rebates Mm -hmm. um but like i said right we haven't really tightly controlled from the global point of view so this is really more regional maybe specific to some customers Mm -hmm. yeah okay and how how do you make sure that they're hitting their tiers for their rebates, it's just you're looking at spreadsheets and orders and things like that. Right. And so currently, it's a very manual process. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be the area that we can talk a little bit more mm-hmm. after this call yeah. and to really understand your rebate. Yeah. 
Okay. Based system, right? I, I, it's very, very common, you know, and then as those programs grow, they just become more and more uh, right. difficult, difficult to manage. Um, so you're running a pretty wide variety of, of incentive programs. How do you know whether you're successful or not? Do you see do you look to margin improvement, top line improvement, um, reduction in revenue leakage? How are you right. monitoring success? Right. So, um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, 2015, as a company, we grow 15 to 15.2%, and we improved the gross margin 22%. Um, so that's one proof. Of course, you know, we have product mix change, we have bomb expansion, you know, uh, it, it's definitely part of the reason, but tighter system control definitely it's a key part of the success as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if I look at the distribution business, we actually grow very, very nicely with our channel partners. Not only, uh, you know, just the ship through to the distributor, but more on the POS point of view, right? Um, so we actually grow fundamental business with our distributors quite significantly in 2018. So all this data kind of mm-hmm. proved to us that, you know, it, it's working. And uh, it's definitely helping us uh, to get uh, get us towards our next goal. Yeah, which is a big goal. Right. Um, do you compare, like, one program to another? Do you do, like, head-to-head comparisons of your different incentive programs or anything like that? Right, we do, right? Okay. Um, so it depends on the specific program. And there's always history data. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes our partners can provide the data to us then we can actually see, uh, you know, maybe you have a wave of requests related to the program that you're promoting. Um, So we do measure that. Okay, Mm -hmm. fantastic. How do you continue to improve your programs? I think you kind of talked about that a little bit just now, but um, is there anything you can do to expand on just this sort of idea of continuous improvement because clearly you're going to need to be able to do that if you want to get to 2.5 billion right, right. in six years. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of area that we can improve, um, you know, as a company, right? Um, so a couple of things, um, for example, we can have a better distribution registration program, which we are relaunching this globally. Uh, we believe that, you know, we need to have a better system to motivate our channel partners, focus on the demand creation Um, instead of just fulfillment business, right? So that's one area. Um, You know, business intelligence. I think this is, we are pretty much at the infancy stage. Mm -hmm. Now we have the data, right? So what do we do with the data? How do we set up different key performance index uh, using the data to measure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how do we measure globally, right? All the distributors based on their performance instead of just one at a time, right? Um, right? You know, how do we measure, you know, the fair distribution margin that they're making, right? Um, you know, how do we measure our product line efficiency, right? Uh, whether, you know, we are growing, we're shrinking, how do we link the model and opportunities and the quotations as a trend down to our revenue, right? Is that training up? Is that training down? Are we slowing down on specific product line quotation uh, mm-hmm. activities, right? Um, so I think the analytical, the intelligence should be a big portion for us to focus moving forward. Okay. Um, I do believe this will help us even more uh, as a company mm-hmm. to make good decisions. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So we had an opportunity to talk about pricing and, and, and incentives. I want to switch now and spend a little bit of time talking about compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about compliance, are you referring to internal compliance, compliance to your contract terms, um, governmental compliance? What all of the above? What, how do you kind of view compliance? Yeah. So I think all of the above, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, you know includes internal control and also outside. Right, yep. um, you know, for example, you know, the SOX audit, the ISO audit, right? Everything is really talking about the process, procedure, and control, right? How do you prove that you define the process, you define the procedure? How do you enforce the procedure? Um, you know, price code, right? At what point that need next levels of approval? So how do you control that? How do you prove that for this specific quotation, it went through the right approval? process and procedure and have the right person approving it at the right level, right? Mm-hmm. So I think having the model in is actually giving us a good data trail, right? Yeah. Um, so it really helped us to streamline some of this compliance, right? So how do we control the person only up to this capability? And that will be the, you know, the system side. Before we have the system, everything is controlled by a person based on your judgment, for example, right? Then, you know, how do you, who signed it? Having that piece of paper mm-hmm. or locate that piece of paper is a big challenge, right? Or yeah. the email, right? Um, so I think this is really the benefit that we've seen. It's a lot more streamlined yeah. and it's a lot more easy for us to enforce the procedure or the process and also prove as a company that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Multiple times you said streamline, and I think lots of people have this perception where if you're going to put a system in place for compliance, it's going to create a bureaucracy and a backlog, and as a sales rep, things are going to get a lot slower for me to get something through the system, but it doesn't sound like that's the case for you. Right. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you are the one defining the process and procedure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think a lot of things is within your control, um, I think I talk a little bit about what you need as a company, right, um, mm-hmm. to really having the control. There's definitely a little bit trade-off. I'm not going to say there's absolutely no trade-off, but when you come to a certain size, unfortunately, that trade-off sometimes is necessary. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a system, someone can make a wrong judgment called a super negative margin business based on that person's judgment, right? But now you say, hey, you only authorize to go up to a certain margin mm-hmm. and the next level need the next level of approval. So once you have this kind of control, you also help to prevent some of the human errors that you can make. Yeah, or rogue pricing from... A region far, far away that's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, um, I'd just like to close on sort of a conversation about compliance in relation to inventory management. How how do you uh, manage that? Um, Well, inventory management is a big topic, right? Every quarter end. Right, that's a big mm-hmm. question. Usually, um, you know, every company reported about your internal inventory and also the channel inventory. Um, so we do have CDM mm-hmm. channel inventory. I would say capability. 
um, but we haven't really fully implemented because the timeline that we have for the project. Yeah. So that would be the next step we need to do. But the good news is we do have worldwide channel inventory month end data available. And we also put that into our data warehouse. Um, so we do need to and will be managing the channel inventory much closer because at the end of the day that's still part of your inventory so you don't mm -hmm. want the channel inventory to be too low then the distributor may not be promoting your product because a lot of the time it's just if you have parts on the shelf they sell right but at the same time we don't want to have a lot of excess inventory in the channel um, so that's definitely a big area that we're looking into that we need to start implementing it more um, you know, in the mm -hmm. next few months. Yeah. So now you kind of have this macro view of inventory, but your your goal is to have, you know, every, every piece of inventory at every distributor, sort of that sort of view. Is that what you... Right. I think it's important for us to understand, you know, why this distributor having millions of parts that's not selling. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, that's part of your liability. Yeah as well right yeah. um, so the last we want to see is unhealthy inventory situation at the channel and we want to make sure we have the right inventory mix on their shelf right not the wrong one mm -hmm. right so having that visibility and capability to manage it will be very powerful for us yeah then you'll be able to move inventory to a different region or Exactly. Create an incentive program maybe for that region right, or something. Right, right. Yeah. So you can be more flexible, right? Maybe mm -hmm. shift some of the inventory from one distributor to the other or one yep. region to the other. Depends on the demand, right? Yep. Uh, you will also be able to, you know, retrieve the inventory before the deco expires. Become a debt inventory if you have home somewhere else, right? Yeah. So there's just a lot of data and a lot of, uh, I would say, useful tools that we can use. But at this moment, we haven't fully implemented that portion yet. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, once again, Emily, thank you for uh, spending more time with us on the Revenue Execution Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate your time and, and uh, best of luck to you reaching that goal of $2.5 in revenue. Well, thank you. You're very welcome.